Welcome to the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast, a podcast covering your favorite crew featuring Peter and David Goh. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. I'm your host, David Go here today by myself to do the podcast. We've got a lot to cover today. The Brewers had a pretty busy week last week. Uh, the non-tender deadline, of course, sparking a lot of those moves. Um, and we talked about that a little bit on last week's episode of the podcast. And then coming up uh, in the upcoming week, we could see another busy week, actually, from the Brewers and some news from Ken Rosenthal, um, actually, just this morning. So um, a lot to cover, a lot to go through, and we're going to go ahead and get started right away. Um, so the first, I would say the biggest news of the week, Corey Knable dealt to the Dodgers for a player to be named later or cash considerations. Uh, this came out on Wednesday night in light of the non-tender deadline. Knable was slated to make about $5.1 million in arbitration, and the Brewers uh, seemingly were not going to be able to pay that. They decided not to take the gamble and instead deal him to the Dodgers, get either a cash considerations, probably no more than one or $200,000 likely, or a player to be named later. Uh, so we will see in the coming months who that player to be named later could be. Um, of course, they are still deciding as uh, it is a player to be named later. But Corey Knable did have an underwhelming year this year, 6.08 ERA in just 13 and a third innings coming back from Tommy John surgery. He walked almost five and a half batters per nine innings and allowed 2.7 home runs per nine in the limited action he did have. And of course, he sat out all of last year after undergoing Tommy John surgery. So he is a little bit of a wild card. He seems kind of like a Blake Trinan type relief pitcher for the Dodgers. The Dodgers have been known to try to maybe acquire those relief pitcher, I don't know if I'd quite call them reclamation projects, uh, but guys who are have, have a little bit of a lower stock right now, and there is some upside, and they maybe were one of the best relievers in baseball previously. You could easily see that happening with Corey Knable where he has a real bounce back year and becomes a lockdown reliever. Uh, but Knable had some great moments with the Brewers. Uh, he set the Major League record for most consecutive appearances with a strikeout in 2017 when he struck out almost 15 batters per nine innings. A 1.78 ERA that year. He was an all-star. That was clearly his best year. But I think what he will most be remembered for was his 2018 campaign. He started off very shaky, was even optioned down to AAA early on in August. And he came back in September, didn't allow a run, was named NL Reliever of the Month, and then was one aspect of the three-headed monster with Hayter and Jeffress down the stretch in the postseason there against um, both the Rockies and Dodgers, and even on the as part of the postseason push. Uh, so Knable playing a big role in their success. I think that if the Brewers would have won that NLCS where they lost in seven games, I think Knable would have been uh, named NLCS MVP. He pitched in all seven games, which is outstanding um, and kind of crazy to think about throwing seven games in nine days, even if it is only about an inning. Five seasons with the Brewers, and he actually leaves as probably one of the most decorated relief pitchers in Brewers history. Um, so good luck to Corey Knable as he heads to LA. Exciting as uh, they're our championship contender. Of course, coming off the World Series championship and the Brewers receiving either cash or a player to be named later in return for the former All-Star reliever. 
Um, the next bit of news that we will talk about is a couple free agent signings that the Brewers made. Some low-profile signings, um, but they did sign a pair of guys. Luke Maley was the first one, and Maley is a catcher. Um, he was with Pittsburgh last year, though he didn't actually end up playing at all due to injury. Maley really has not had that great of a career at the major league level. Uh, he's a, has a career 198 batting average, 252 on base, 304 slugging in 657 plate appearances. That's good for a 51 OPS plus. Not a great mark even for a catcher, even for a backup catcher for that matter. He's known for being an outstanding defender. Um, so even if you go back to 2018, he was almost an average hitter and was a well above average defensive catcher, um, totaling 2.1 wins above replacement. So you can see that maybe that's where the Brewer saw the upside and wanted to buy in to Maley, even at a very low cost. And with so many catchers on the 40-man roster, um, they did bring back Pena and Narvaez. So alongside uh, the two of them, they have Maley now, Nottingham, Mario Feliciano. Uh, Martin Maldonado even responded to Adam McAlvey on Twitter and asked if the Brewers might need him. Um, a little bit jokingly, um, but mainly just another catcher added to the catching equation. Um, Omar Narvaez does have a minor league option remaining. Mario Feliciano has a few, and Luke Maley has one minor league option remaining as well. Uh, so the Brewers may be able to maneuver that a little bit. I wouldn't think Narvaez would start the year out in AAA or really be optioned there unless he struggles like he did this year, but I would be very surprised if we saw Maley on the opening day roster and he does serve as some quality depth, I would say, especially if he's making somewhere around the major league minimum. The other player that they signed was Zach Green. Green spent last year in San Francisco. He was originally a third round pick in 2012 of the Phillies. Green debuted in 2019 with the Giants, um, and he actually did not play at all in the major leagues last year, um, but he hit 143 with a 250 on base and a 214 slugging in just 16 plate appearances, eight games. So not really enough to uh, draw a big sample from. But in 2019, in Sacramento, even in the extremely hitter-friendly Pacific Coast League. He did still hit 282 with a 380 on base and a 659 slugging. That is still well above average, even in the hitter-friendly environment of the Pacific Coast League. Uh, 25 home runs there. So the Brewers saw, um, saw some upside in green and potentially, like Maley, some depth. They signed him to a minor league deal with a major league invite to spring training. So we will see some action from Zach Green should the Brewers have a normal spring training. Of course, we don't know exactly what that will look like, um, but we could see Green in the majors at some point, and he's a first baseman, third baseman, uh, more of a power bat. Uh, so we'll, we will potentially see Green maybe a little bit roaming the field at, um, at American Family Field, I guess, now uh, starting in 2021. We're less than a month away from the official name change of Miller Park, uh, and Going towards some of those arbitration non-tenders, uh, we talked a lot about some of the tough decisions that the Brewers would have to make over the next week in last week's episode. And now, of course, a week later, we do have the answers to the arbitration eligible players. Uh, we knew that the Brewers were going to tender contracts to Josh Hader and Brandon Woodruff. Uh, those were considered to be locks. $5.1 million estimate for Hader, who is still one of the best relievers in baseball. Brandon Woodruff had an estimate of about 2.3 million. They have not reached agreements with them yet, but they will be coming back to Milwaukee. It's just a matter of time until they agree, and it's possible that they will actually have to go to arbitration for each of them. 
And um, that's a little bit of a complicated process, but essentially each, each party, um, the team and the player submit a figure for what they think the player should make. And then they go to an arbitrator who decides which contract figure is more reasonable. Um, and that's kind of used as a last resort if the team and the player are not able to reach an agreement on how much the player should make. But the Brewers did reach agreements with a number of players. None of them have been officially reported by the Brewers, uh, but some insiders reported that the Brewers had reached agreement with a few players. Orlando Arcia and the Brewers reached an agreement for one year and two million. Uh, so Arcia will be coming back to Milwaukee again. Um, Omar Narvaez reached a $2.5 million agreement with the Brewers, coming off, of course, that extremely disappointing year. Uh, but there is a lot of upside with Narvaez. He's not far removed from being one of the best hitting catchers in baseball, and he showed big strides defensively uh, in his limited time this year. So I think there is reason for optimism for Narvaez that he can be at least an average everyday catcher, if not even better. I think he was kind of a victim of the poor circumstances surrounding the 2020 season. I have reason to believe that Narvaez will go back to being a, a pretty good catcher and a 2.5 million. Uh, it's a pretty low cost to pay uh, for a guy who is, I would say, pretty likely um, to be at least a serviceable starter. Um, and backing him up will be Manny Pena. They reached a $1.65 million agreement. Pena, of course, has been in the organization for a while. It was originally traded in exchange for K-Rod uh, five years ago. Pena uh, has been largely a backup, but I, I would say has been a pretty good backup option for the Brewers and has started at times due to injury uh, or after trade, such as the trades uh, of Lucroy and Maldonado. He kind of um, replaced them and ushered in, I guess, a new era of Brewers catchers. And I would say Pena has done a pretty solid job overall over the past couple of years, and this is his last year before he hits free agency. Dan Vogelbach also was tendered a contract, and they agreed on a $1.4 million contract for next year. Um, there was actually a memo sent out to teams saying to expect there to not be a universal DH in 2021, so that clouds the situation with Vogelbach a little bit. The Brewers might not have necessarily known this when they did agree to a contract with him uh, just a few days ago, but I do think that uh, it leaves a little bit of uncertainty about whether or not the Brewers will keep Vogelbach. I don't really understand why Major League Baseball wanted to wait so long to decide this, and it seems like it's not even necessarily fully decided that there will not be a DH, but just seems that that's the most likely option. I would think the Brewers will still head into spring training with Vogelbach, unless the Brewers are able to find a taker on his $1.4 million salary. But at the same time, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind them keeping him. He was very good down the stretch, of course, and he's only a year removed from uh, being an all-star first baseman and DH. Of course, he's not a good fielder. He's not a good runner, uh, but he can hit pretty well. I think that Vogelbach does carry some value there, and I think that the Brewers uh, would be wise to keep him even as a bench option. They do have 26 players on the roster for next year. Um, that is up from 25 in 2019. The roster rules were changed a little bit this year for the shortened season. Um, but Vogelbach, I think, could play a role on the 2021 Brewers. And then the Brewers did decide to cut ties with a few of their players. Ben Gamel was the first one. Uh, Gamel, in 40 games this past year, hit 237 with a 315 on base and a 404 slugging. Uh, fairly fairly consistent with his major league averages, um, but he was slightly below replacement level. So 
it's not hard to see why the Brewers decided to cut ties with Gamel. Gamel was projected to earn about $1.7 million in arbitration, and entering the year, he had supposedly made some alterations to his swing, and they were evident, I would say, uh, in watching Gamel early on in the season. And he got off to a hot start, but after the first 10 games or so, he cooled off significantly, had a minor injury, and was ultimately unable to produce well for the Brewers, even though he was able to receive a little bit more playing time than he had in the past. So I think that Gamble uh, was not necessarily that difficult of a situation to non-tender, especially with Tyrone Taylor being a, a capable fourth outfield option. Uh, there are plenty of guys on the market that they could get for less than $1.7 million that could fulfill that Ben Gamble role. Um, and even Corey Ray maybe will get some at-bats. Jace Peterson is another player who they non-tendered. Peterson played in 26 games with the Brewers. He actually did have a 393 on base percentage, largely due to his 24.6% walk rate. He also carried a 33% strikeout rate, which is quite high. Uh, unfortunately, it wasn't the highest on the team. Keston here and Yelich were both ahead of him in that area, but he only hit 200. Uh, he was actually still a slightly above average hitter, but it's not too hard to find okay players, and I think he overperformed a little bit. Uh, it, he was a nice player to have for this shortened season, but I don't think that Peterson necessarily factored into their long-term plans, even slated to make just 700000 So he hit the free agent market on Wednesday. And the last player that the Brewers non-tendered was Alex Claudio, a lefty that they've had in the bullpen the last two years. Claudio was actually better, a little bit better this year than last year. He was the victim of a little bit of bad luck, but it was the third consecutive year that he ran an ERA over four. I think that was something a little bit troubling to the Brewers. He seemed a little bit better. His strikeout rate was up. His walk rate was down, as was his home run rate. Um, but I think it's also a little bit more difficult with him for the three batter minimum rule. Uh, he does not fare very well against righties in general. So I think that that's kind of a, a rule that has hurt Claudio more than some other relief pitchers. Personally, I don't like watching Claudio pitch. I like the fact that he's unconventional, but he's one of those pitchers that when he comes in, you kind of just hope everything goes okay, and you don't know if they will. I don't know if that's necessarily a, a good way to judge a player, but that's just kind of the thoughts I have on him, other than his changeup looks very good, and especially for being, what, 72 miles an hour, uh, he's able to get a lot of swings and misses, and even some ugly swings and misses. A few years ago, Claudio was actually a very effective reliever. Uh, the Brewers acquired him on the heels of two of his better seasons, but he hasn't been able to replicate that success with the Brewers. And they did non-tender him actually last year and then re-signed him for a lower cost. Personally, I don't see that happening this year, and I would be surprised if he even gets a major league deal or a major league deal over the major league minimum. Um, but the Brewers could choose to go that route and seek to re-sign Claudio and add some more bullpen depth and a proven veteran option. Um, especially since some of the younger guys will be getting some meaningful innings, I would say, with uh, Rasmussen, Topa, um, even possibly Dylan File, Alec Bedinger, maybe Zach Brown. Uh, so it's possible we'll see Claudio back, but I would not expect it. Another piece of news, Jock Peterson, uh, who is a free agent, a pretty well-known player around the league. He's been with the Dodgers for the past six years. Uh, he participated in the Home Run Derby and All-Star Game a number of years ago. Um, but he's an intriguing option at both first base and in the outfield. And Ken Rosenthal reported that the Brewers have interest in 
the left-handed hitting Peterson. Uh, he's coming off a lackluster year overall, 43 games, 138 plate appearances, hit just 190 with a 285 on base percentage and a 397 slugging, slightly below replacement level. But I wouldn't be overly concerned about that. Uh, probably another victim of some poor circumstances surrounding the season, like we talked about with Narvaez, with Yelich, with Hira, which with really much of the Brewers' offense. So he'd fit in, I guess, in that respect of seeking for a bounce back year. He's really been a pretty steady presence with the Dodgers. He doesn't hit left-handed pitching all that well, uh, but the Brewers could pair him up with a cheaper platoon option. Of course, they did choose to let Jed Jerko go, uh, but they could sign a player who's similar to that. Zach Green is a right-handed hitter, so he could even potentially factor into their plans over at first base. Uh, but Peterson has accrued 13 war over essentially six full seasons, and um, and I think that he really is a good option. His walk rates are regularly um, in that 9 to 12 percent range. His strikeout rates about 20 to 24 range, and you're usually going to get a guy who will probably hit about 240 to 250 with an on-base um, a little bit above average. He has a pretty good walk rate, usually up around the 350 range and a slugging of around 500. I think that he's someone who would fit really well at the Brewers ballpark, uh, American family field, I guess, uh, like I was mentioning earlier. With that left-handed power swing, we've seen Eric Thames have success with the Brewers uh, with his left-handed power swing, Travis Shaw. It's a little bit of a shorter porch there uh, in right field, and I think that that could play to the Brewers' benefit. Positionally, Peterson would probably play a lot of first base. I don't know exactly what his preferences are in playing the outfield versus first base. I don't think he's a very good defensive center fielder. But also, it seems like if the Brewers do sign Peterson, they probably know that Ryan Braun will not be back. I don't think it makes sense to bring back Braun in addition to bringing in Peterson. Both guys who play first base and some in the corner outfield. So to have two guys that their bats are good enough to be in the lineup every day, occupying spots on the roster. I personally don't see that as something that is very likely or would necessarily be the best option. Uh, MLB Trade Rumors projects Peterson to get a contract around two years, $18 million. I'm not sure if the Brewers would be willing to pay that much. It's possible they uh, are seeking Peterson on a one-year deal of maybe about $8 million. Uh, maybe Peterson wants to build back his value a little bit after a down year. I think that that's certainly a real possibility for the Brewers. The Brewers have shown a tendency to uh, give out one-year contracts. We saw that with Grindal. We saw it with Moustakis, um, two of the bigger names. But Peterson, I would say, would fit maybe slightly below those guys, uh, but also a proven, established, everyday player uh, who is looking for a one-year, kind of a pillow contract, they say, uh, to bounce him into his next bigger contract. Uh, so Jock Peterson, an intriguing option for the Brewers, could be their everyday first baseman if they do end up signing him. And I would be pretty excited about the addition if they did decide to go that route. And then lastly, uh, the winter meeting started yesterday, actually Sunday, um, and they are virtual. They were going to be held in Dallas, but um, because of COVID, of course, uh, they are unable to hold the winter meetings, so they are virtual. Um, but they do still stretch until Thursday, in which uh, the Rule 5 draft will take place. The Rule 5 draft is essentially uh, a way to protect teams from hoarding minor league players. So once players hit a certain number of service time, it varies based on the age you enter the minor league system. Um, they become eligible for the Rule 5 draft, so, player, so other teams can select players 
for their organizations. Wei Chung Wong was probably the most notable recent Rule 5 draft pick of the Brewers. Colin Walsh was another one, one of my personal favorites. And they lost uh, Miguel Diaz to the Rule 5 draft. Uh, so there are, there are some guys that you can get that will produce some value. Johan Santana was a Rule 5 draft pick about 20 years ago. Dan Ugla. Um, but a couple of names that I thought that the Brewers could target um, actually are Joel Kunal and Riley Pint. Joel Kunal was drafted in 2016, and he's overall performed pretty well in the minor leagues. He's got excellent stuff, two-pitch reliever, and throws very hard, about 100 miles an hour. Um, his command isn't great, but he's actually shown the ability uh, to limit his walk rate in the minor leagues although his strikeout rate has not um, been really where you would like to see it based on his his good stuff. Um, Kunal, I think, is uh, is a, a pretty good option if they are going to select somebody in the Rule 5 draft and a little bit more polished, um, having played a little bit in the major leagues with the Reds organization, um, and then even into the big leagues in 2019 and 2020, uh, 12 and two-thirds innings total, a right-handed relief pitcher, could see the Brewers go after a guy like him. And Riley Pint is the other name I mentioned. Pint was the fourth overall pick in 2016, um, but he is Rule 5 eligible this year. His stock has fallen significantly since he was drafted when he was looked at as the top high school um, pitcher in that draft class. Um, he's only thrown about 120 minor league innings since being drafted four years ago. So being healthy has been a little bit of an obstacle for him. Uh, but he has fantastic stuff. He's got a great fastball and slider and even a pretty good changeup uh, when he's able to um, throw it well. His command, though, is not good at all. Um, Eric Longenhagen of Fangraphs grades his command as a present value 20 um, with the potential to be maybe a 30. Uh, so that'd be probably running a walk rate of at least five or six walks per nine, even as a reliever, um, even potentially down years down the road when he's a more developed pitcher. Pint carries a lot of upside. I remember the Brewers when they were really bad in 2015, um, and they had a chance of getting the number one overall pick. Uh, some fans were clamoring for the Brewers to draft Pint in that draft. Corey Ray was uh, ended up being selected one pick after Pint. Seems like a good thing that they did not take Pint, even though, of course, Ray has not turned out uh, to what the player that he was expected to be. Uh, but I think that Pine is one of those guys that is kind of a low-risk move for the Brewers. Maybe they can contain his stuff a little bit, and he can play up as a very good reliever. Um, it'd be a pretty low-risk move to select him, and he would have to be on the Major League roster for the whole year, like we saw with Wei Chung Wong. I don't see the Brewers stashing him if he's borderline unpitchable. Uh, like Wong was a few years ago. The Brewers aren't really in that spot right now, uh, but we could see the Brewers select him and um, and potentially try to develop him at the major league level. Um, we will see if the Brewers do choose to sign someone, uh, but either way, it will be a more minor move. Don't expect any big moves in the Rule 5 draft. And they could actually end up making a bigger splash on the free agent market or on the trade market at the winter meetings this year. Last year, the Brewers signed both Brett Anderson and Josh Lindblom at the winter meetings. Of course, those were in person, so it's a little bit more conducive to signing players or making moves, but we still could see that this year. Uh, but either way, could be another busy week for the Brewers, and we're kind of in uh, the busier part of the free agent market now, the, the hot stove season, as some like to call it being in the beginning of December, and we could see the Brewers roster start to take shape a little bit, maybe add a starting pitcher or a corner infield bat, or even Jock Peterson like 
Ken Rosenthal had reported. Uh, but that's all I have for the podcast today. Thanks for joining us. It was a, a big news day um, on the podcast. But I enjoy talking about uh, some of these guys that the Brewers uh, could end up with or even did sign or trade. Um, of course, just to recap, Brewers trade Knable to the Dodgers, signed Luke Maley and Zach Green. Jack Peterson uh, was identified as a potential target for the Brewers. The Brewers may have some interest there. And then the Brewers non-tendering Alex Claudio, Ben Gamble, and Jace Peterson while uh, signing Arcia. Omar Narvaez, Manny Pena, and Dan Vogelbach to one-year deals in arbitration, and Josh Hader and Brandon Woodruff were tendered contracts and will be in a Brewers uniform next year to no one's surprise. Thanks again for listening, and as always, go Brewers! Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bleeding Blue and Yellow podcast. We'd appreciate if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. Make sure to check out our blog at bleedingblueandyellow.wordpress.com and connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at Brewers Podcast.